Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm very happy, and I will tell you why in a moment. But first, I hope everything is good on your side. I'm happy because it's already episode 10 of this podcast. And to celebrate it, yes, we should always celebrate small achievements. Well, I do it. So today, I decided to do something different. I will share with you questions that different people did to me during my talks, my scientific consultations. And of course, I will also give you the answers. And I hope that someday this can be helpful for you. My happiness also comes from the fact that I'm going on holidays. Yeah, that's right. So this episode will be also the last one from season one. Season two will start in two weeks, but don't worry that I will advertise it. Okay. So whenever I start the season two, you will know. I will start with some questions related with experimental planning. But before I do so, I want to tell you that I don't have any agreements or any connection with uh, the companies that I will mention in today's episode. So the question that I will talk about now is a typical one. It is the one where people ask, what is the best technology to do single cell RNA sequencing? Short answer is there is no best technology. Long answer is it will depend on your goal. Do you want to study only RNA or do you want to study DNA and RNA? Also important, the number of cells. How many cells do you have? Hundred or millions? Depending on this, the technology that will be best for your project will be different. Also important thing, if you can perform your experiment right away or you will need to preserve your cells, for example, to send it to a facility or to perform the experiment in a different day. So all these will make that the best technology for you will be different. Think always that different technologies, they have advantages and limitations. We need always to find the best option for our project, not the best technology. The next question that I get a lot is where can we find protocols for sample preparation? We can find them in different places. I will tell you my strategy. What do I do when I need to look for a protocol for a specific sample type? First, I look in PubMed and BioArchive to see if there are publications already with the sample type that I will be using. But I don't go to PubMed or BioArchive directly. What I use is ResearchRabbit. And there in that website, I write the keywords. I will give you an example. Let's say that we would like to do single cell RNA-seq in microorganisms from ocean water. So I will go to Research Rabbit and I will write the keywords that will be ocean water, single cell and single cell RNA. And I do search. After, what will happen is that Research Rabbit will give me all the publications related with these keywords. What I will do next is in Research Rabbit, I will go over the titles of the publications and also the abstract and the ones that I'm interested in, I will go to the original paper and I will read the material and methods to see if they are interesting for me. Other three places where I will look is at protocols.io, at ResearchGate and at the single cell company from which the technology I will be using. In this case, if I don't find any protocol recommended for the type of sample that I will be using, I will write to their technical support and ask for help. Maybe they know someone that used the same type of samples that I'm using. Other thing that you can do is to send an email 
to your professional network or to your institute to see if someone works the type of samples that you will be using. The next question is related with isoforms, mRNA isoforms. I will read you the question. I want to study isoforms, but in my project, I have planned using single-cell RNA-seq from 10x genomics. I know now that it is not the best for it. There is something that I can do or do I need to change my project? This person is right. The approaches of 10x genomics are not the most indicated to study isoforms, since we will only be sequencing the 3' region or the 5' region of our mRNA transplant transcripts. We will not sequence the full transcript. That is the best for us to see what isoforms are being expressed. An example of a full transcript approach is the SmartSeq that is commercialized by Takara Bio. However, if we really need to use the next technology, let's imagine the case where this project was already approved and we cannot change the type of technology that we will be using or we don't have access to any other technology rather than the next technology. So here, one of the approaches that we can do to study isoforms is to do the next genomics and when we have the cDNA, we will do a parallel cDNA amplification, a library, that we will be able to sequence using a long-read sequencer, like the ones from PacBio or Nanopore. Right now, Tenex Genomics, they have a protocol specific for this type of libraries. But again, this is not the ideal approach. So our data will not be so clear in terms of when we are analyzing it or so precise as if we are using a full-length approach. Now let's see some questions concerning sample preparation. There are different people telling me that they have a lot of debris and some dead cells after using the Gentlemax dissociator. And what can they do to improve this? First of all, tell you that it's normal. It happens to a lot of people. Second, I want to highlight that we always need to optimize the protocols independently if they come with a kit. If we stop here to think a little bit, these kits were not really developed specifically for downstream single cell analysis. They were developed for cell analysis in general. And we know that for single cell experiments, we need our cells to be a little bit better. Also, if we think the enzymatic solutions that normally comes with these kits, they are not specific for our tissue type, right? They are kind of universal. So there are different things that we can change to try to improve our results when using this type of automatic tissue dissociators. For example, I will tell you some things that I did and in my experience for the type of tissue that I was using, I got a better result in terms of low debris and also cell viability. The first one was instead of using medium, I use always PBS with 10% of FPS, fetal bovine serum. Other thing was, instead of doing automated digestion on putting the tube and then in the mag, I was doing it manually. First, I always rinse my tissue with PBS. Then I place this piece of tissue on top of half of a petri dish that was over ice, on top of the ice. Next, I mince the tissue with blades and after I collect everything for a falcon or a hependorf. Then I was adding the enzymatic mixture that comes with a kit that Milteni recommends. Unless I have enzymes that I know that they do a good dissociation for my type of tissue. After, I will put my tube in a thermal shaker at around 300 RPMs with the ideal temperature for the enzymes to work. This around 5 to 10 minutes. After that time, I was going and check the cell suspension 
and with the help of a whiteboard tip and a 1ml pipette or if you don't have whiteboard tips you have your tip and you can cut a little bit with a scissor so with that pipette I was pipetting slowly what helped the tissue dissociation this step of thermo shaking and then pipetting slowly I was repeating it each 5 to 10 minutes until a maximum of 45 minutes think that there will be always small pieces of tissue okay the dissociation is never complete it shouldn't be because this means that we will have a lot of debris and dead cells so it's always about an equilibrium that we have enough cells to do our experiment but we don't digest the tissue too too much after this, my cell suspension, I was filtering it using a 100 micrometer filter. The filters should always be pre-wetted with PBS. So I was doing the first filter, then I was putting 500 microliters of PBS on top of the filter to make sure that all the cells, all the pieces of tissue was passing. If needed, I will do a second filtration. And then I was checking my cell suspension at the microscope. If I had a lot of aggregates that it's normal and a lot of debris that is also normal, I was moving forward to a next step of filtering, but this time with a, with a 70 micrometers filter. I will do it twice and I will check again my cell suspension under the microscope. If needed, we can filter again with a 40 micrometer filter. But pay attention that here maybe you are losing certain cell types. Depends always in the type of tissue that you have. The next question comes from someone that had a cell suspension for which there were a lot of cells but also a lot of debris and cell aggregates. So she decided to do facts. However, at the end of the facts, she got a cell suspension where there were a lot, a lot of dead cells and the number of cells were very low. So her question was, how can I improve this, what do I have to change? There is something that I can change to improve the quality of my cell suspension. The first thing that I did was, of course, to ask what tissue type uh, this person was using. And second, I asked for two photos for the cell suspension, before and after facts. After talking about the technical details, we saw that there were certain things that were not being properly done in this case because this person wanted to recover the maximum of viable cells, individual viable cells in suspension for a single cell experiment. And the things that were changed was the size of the nozzle of the needle. This is the needle in which our cells will pass after going the flow, they will pass this nozzle to get into the tube or to get into the plate where we are collecting them. So the nozzle size should be, when we are working with cells, 100 micrometers. If we are not using 100 micrometers, what will happen? Our cell, when it's passing the nozzle, if it touches the wall, there is high chance of explode. So this cell, if it explodes, it will never arrive to the bottom of our tube, the tube that we are collecting our cells. Other thing that was changed was the speed of the flow. We should always use a medium speed for the flow in the cytometer. Other thing that it was a problem was the fact that these cells were being collected in empty tubes. Meaning, when we are collecting cells from the facts, we always should put a little bit of liquid at the bottom of the tube. And in the case of single cell experiments, we should put PBS with BSA. Try not to use buffers with EDTA. If you use EDTA, it needs to be very low concentrations because the EDTA will inactivate the enzymes that will do the cDNA in the case of single-cell RNA-seq protocols.
To finish the answer to this question, other thing that I mentioned is that we need to be conscious that the number of events is not the same as the number of cells. An event is something that will pass in front of the laser, the laser of the cytometer, and it will be detected. But maybe it will not be a cell. It can be just debris or just a dead cell. So we need to pay attention to this. And in my experience, if we have, let's say, 10 events, we will have five cells. So pay attention to these, pay attention to these numbers. Now let's see a question that was done to me concerning data analysis. You already know that my expertise is in the wet lab, not on the dry lab. But this one I could answer. So the question was, how do people usually work in terms of analysis? I mean, my computer can move the data from RNA-seq, bulk RNA-seq, but I don't think I may be able to analyze single-cell RNA-seq data. Usually, does people work on servers? The answer is yes, people are working servers. We cannot do the analysis of this data in Excel, in our computer, no. What happens? So we have two options. We have the option that nowadays single cell companies already offer as a program, a friendly user program for people like me, that we are experts on wet lab, but we don't know a lot about data analysis. So these programs are very easy to use and we just need to upload our data, choose the right filters for the analysis, and we will have in a simple way, a very quick analysis. But this analysis is what we call a superficial analysis. And when we are doing this using these programs, we are working at the cloud. And the cloud is nothing rather than a server. But this server, the space on this server is paid by the single cell company. Then when we want to do a deep analysis, and this is what the single cell data analysis experts do, normally they are research groups, as there are the wet lab researcher groups, there are the dry research labs. And here, what these groups do is to rent or to buy space on specific servers. So again, when we are doing data analysis for single cell projects, we always need to work remotely in a server. And now the last question is concerning to single cell knowledge, single cell education. About a person that said, at my lab, we want to implement single-cell technology. To start, I was looking for a course about this, about single-cell technology in general, but I couldn't saw anything. Do you know about something? My answer to this was no, there's nothing, at least that I'm aware. What there is are webinars, talks, or even trainings, but specific for certain technology. And these are done by the single-cell companies. So if we are using a specific technology, that company that commercialized the technology of single cell, they will have material resources, free resources on their website. But a course where we can get an overview about single cell research in general, about all type of methods, technology, I told her, no, I'm not aware, but there will be one. There will be one, and this is first-hand information, there will be one in April because I'm preparing a course. This was an old idea that I had to prepare a course that, that any person that will attend to this course can have an overview about single cell research, all the type of technologies, how do they work. So again, stay tuned that I will tell you more details in the future. But yes, in April, it will start. I still don't know if beginning of April or end of April, but April is my deadline. And since I'm not aware of 
this type of courses. What I recommend to her was the Single Cell World Project, where I told her about the website, Instagram, where I have a lot of information also, then the blog and this podcast. What I told her that, yes, there is, is different data analysis courses. So in the part of Dry Lab, yes, there is already different courses available. So this is everything for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at SingleCellWorld or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com.